thanks for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. Welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. So excited about our guest today, Amber. So happy that you could join us. Why don't you kick us off by answering our first question, which is, who are you? Thank you, Chris. Welcome to be here. Appreciate the invitation. So who am I from a professional standpoint? Um, goes to the Human Resource Strategic Business Partnership um, and business partner at Atrium Health, which is based in North Carolina, South Carolina, and also Georgia, where I reside. Also serve, I previously served as an executive coach, among other multiple titles um, related to human resources and leadership development. Great. Well, you're not the first person that we had on the podcast from Atrium. We've had Paul and Seb to join us previously as well. So the bar is really low. So you should <laughs> love it. So share that. <laughs> Just joking, Seb and Paul, if you're watching this, you guys crushed it. So thank you. No, interesting enough, they are two of the three or four reasons of why I'm actually at Atrium Health. So certainly appreciate their leadership. Great. So yeah, Amber, can you tell our audience how you got to the leadership position that you're in today? Sure. So without telling my age, because I had that conversation a few days ago in which um, I was personally offended by the time okay, that's frame. A, that's the second question. How old are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's not HR appropriate, Chris. <laughs> no. So thinking about just a historical perspective, I had that, that epiphany the other day of, oh my goodness. I've not only been in this longer than a decade, but I'm closer to almost being to two decades rather than just one. So, so within my HR experience, really started out grassroots from a recruiter perspective and networked um, at a facility. Oh, at, recruiters are the worst. <laughs> they have the best personalities, though. <laughs> so started out in recruitment in healthcare, uh, in the healthcare world, and then that led to an opportunity very quickly for advancement and leadership role within as an HR manager which led to multiple other um, leadership opportunities at a facility in Tennessee, a hospital facility that was Vanderbilt Health affiliated. And so ultimately ended up being the VP of HR and chief compliance officer at that organization for well over 13 years. And then most recently transitioned to Georgia about five and a half years ago with my husband being a pastor. He had a full-time ministry opportunity and this is really just where and we were led to be. And so joined the Navicent team as an executive coach and had the opportunity to build a business partnership there. And then through that relationship with Atrium Health, which is now our strategic partner, had the opportunity to advance and grow with Atrium, now um, joining the team as a human resource strategic business partner at Atrium Health. Got it. So two follow-up questions on that. The first would be, uh, at the beginning of your career, do, did you see it uh, going the way that it went? Oh, certainly. Not. <laughs> Great question. So actually, when I got into healthcare, funny story, and I'll, I'll have a small confession here is that I could not stand like the sight of blood or just was very squeamish when it came to healthcare in general, to the point where when I was accepted the role of recruiter, did not realize that I had 
been offered the job because they asked me to return for a second interview. So I was expecting questions, was not expecting to go through a healthcare assessment and then for my um, titers to be drawn. And so at that time, I had just gotten married and was transitioning into this new role. And after they took my blood samples, they said, you know, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. Had a conversation. And 10 minutes later, I woke up. What? And so I had passed out on my quote, second interview. In <laughs> I am proud to say that I have certainly moved past that since that time and really just learned to love and appreciate healthcare. And when it comes to leadership, though, again, did not anticipate my career traveling down the road that it has. And certainly when I was promoted into the VP of HR and chief human resource officer, as well as the chief compliance officer role, had no intentions of pursuing the career path into leadership. And as a matter of fact, when my boss at the time had vacated her role, the CEO approached me and said, Amber, I really think you should consider this position. My first response to him was, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, again, I was just, I was young, um, not, not exactly experienced in, in leadership from an HR perspective, you know, from managerial directorship roles, certainly, but from the whole conglomerate of um, HR as it relates to healthcare and physician services, certainly had lots to learn, but was fortunate to have a CEO as well as other advisors who were willing to mentor me. And so um, just very quickly learned that uh, leadership apparently is one of my fortes and, and appreciate the skills I've been gifted with. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. The other follow-up question that I wanted to uh, ask you as well about your journey was you mentioned that uh, your husband's a pastor. And uh, so I think that's interesting. When you came home from that interview uh, and he asked you how it went, did you tell him that you got knocked out? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so whenever I had fainted and woke up... Yeah, so after I fainted, woke up, the the nurse looked at me and she says, oh, honey, didn't you say you just got married? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, oh, well, maybe you're pregnant. So then I started crying and said, no, that can't be the case. <laughs> I just got married. We need some time to ourselves. And so that was not the case. So yes, I did let him know that um, my first day quote on the job went a little awry. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so then tell us a little bit how, what is it like to be married to a pastor and that that's that's an interesting uh, uh, dynamic to your relationship that not many people probably have the uh, privilege and opportunity to, to be a part of. Thank you for the opportunity to share. So first and foremost, I absolutely love my husband and the passion that he has for serving others and really feel like that's where we're the most compatible in regards to the gifts that have been given to us. And so certainly as a, as a pastor's wife, there's challenges that come with ministry experiences and, and just being in the community and um, that 24 seven approach that you're always on and always available. And so being able to support him as best possible, but also trying to balance um, the work, the family life, the parenthood, all those different hats that, that you wear in the best way possible, but it's also extremely enriching. So there's times in which, whether it's leadership and work practice or whether it's in the community um, in the ministry field that certainly have feel, I have feel like we've been personally enriched because of those experiences in the ministry that we do. Hmm. 
So always on. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Just because is that mainly because sometimes I, I know nothing about the, the scope or scale of, of, of uh, the church that he's leading, but is it because, you know, sometimes churches can be like small businesses and there's people have to wear multiple hats or what did, what did you mean by that? Yeah, so always on from a perspective of serving others. So life events happen, whether it's, you know, a passing or certainly within the COVID pandemic and trying to, you know, revamp and uh, as far as our, our ministry experiences and just the availability of being always on and um, always having the opportunity, no matter where you're at, to share your faith um, in a way that's constructive um, for the ministry and then meeting people's needs to the best as possible, but also, again, trying to, to maintain a balance with your own family. Do you ever, <laughs> this might be an off the wall question, but um, so do you ever like while out, I mean, I was perusing, uh, I must admit that I was doing some like social stalking of you today just to get prepared. <laughs> And I saw, I love your family, by the way, you have so many fun photos that you guys post, but I was thinking like, and maybe this is just because of my own like kind of dysfunctional upbringing, but just thinking like, like if you guys are out in the community and then like people know like, oh, there's a pastor, his wife and the kids, et cetera, like that it would almost be like, you know, kind of like pressure to be on and to not, not have those dysfunctional moments. I know your kids are like teens, so they're a little bit older, but maybe when they're younger where you're like having a hot <laughs> You know, and wanting to yell at them and having to reel that back in because you, you know, feel the pressures of people watching you, et cetera. Yes. No. So certainly live in a glass house, but also use that as an opportunity to share that we are human. So we, we're not perfect. And I would like to say that our children um, have matured and that those opportunities for sermon illustrations and or leadership illustrations have diminished, um, but they are still readily available, Chris. <laughs> Good, good. Well, uh, my kids are not there yet, but I'm looking forward to being able to do some coaching in uh, when they're a hot mess in their teenage <laughs> years too. So this, this podcast is all about, Amber, you know, where business and virtue intersect. Mm -hmm. So can you speak about uh, that in your own uh, sphere of the world? Absolutely. So one of the things that I, I think people focus on as it relates to professional experiences, what is my role and how do I view that? And I would fathom to say that the majority of people actually are honestly feel as though my role is a J-O-B, it's a job. I go in, I clock in, I do my job, I go home, I pay the bills, I meet my essential needs and that's it. And then you have that second kind of capacity in which maybe people review or view their role as being a career path. You know, it's that ladder pictorial picture, if you will, of making sure that I'm using my skills and abilities to continually climb that leadership opportunity or career ladder to where I'm, you know, exposing myself to different experiences, whether it be titles or otherwise, or just new learning opportunities. And then the last group, which I would hope would be the majority, but um, probably unfortunately is not true, is really where I feel like I fall into that category of it's a calling. And so thinking about leadership perspective and more so specifically with not-for-profit and healthcare, I feel as though that's where virtue has, has really crossed paths with career, that it's not just a career, it's a specific calling, specific to not-for-profit, really 
from the perspective of wanting to help community members um, and then from a business perspective, the not-for-profit kind of realm or view is how, how we practice business, making sure that you know patients are, are people, they're not just numbers. And then in addition to that, looking at the community within the healthcare that we, population that we serve and realizing that these patients are our teammates, they're our neighbors, they're our family members. And so that really, I think, provides me the opportunity to feel as though when I come home or I lay my head down on my pillow at night that I've made a difference. And maybe I haven't had that one-on-one -on -one contact with patients. Maybe I'm, you know, certainly not the nurse, um, clearly, and um, since I can't handle the sight of blood. <laughs> um, but from the perspective of helping those who help others, I, I know that I've helped leaders make executive decisions that impact the workforce that's directly impact, impacting patients. So that's where I feel as though my career path has really become um, crossed with virtue and ultimately results in a calling. So can you give us an example of, you mentioned you feel like you've had these opportunities where you're helping leaders make some decisions. Can you maybe walk us through some of those just to kind of like really drill down into that specific example? Sure. So as a, a strategic HR business partner, one of the things that we're tasked with is um, HR historically has been a very transactional practice. Whereas we're moving to the strategy and business part of things of making sure that HR is more transformational. So how can we help assist leaders in impacting the decisions that they make for their workforce? And a, a particular example might be, for instance, um, recently with vaccination staffing. And so with the COVID pandemic, we are, you know, have the new vaccine, which makes us certainly very hopeful. And so thinking about how do we go about not just staffing that, but what are the different elements and components to ensuring that we get it out to our teammates, which populations, how do we abide by certain regulations or otherwise, um, what are the impacts to those teammates? So, you know, what are, what are the questions that we need to answer? What are their concerns that they may have about getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine? And the same then for the community. And so as we look strategically at that particular project, helping the leader to map out their plan and then also looking at, again, from a teammate perspective, what are some challenges, what are some barriers, and then how do we solve for those? Now a word from our sponsors. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity that I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel knowing that you're helping feed homeless children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, please visit riveroflightchicago.org. Again, that URL is riveroflightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, that, that brings it full circle. So, uh, and I, I kind of had anticipated that that's maybe like the type of response that you're going to give, but again, not really sure if, if, if every audience member has a deeper knowledge about HR business partners and the work that you all do. So, so <laughs> wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that. You know, sometimes 
I would imagine that like thinking about like virtuous leadership and hearing people like yourself that, that feel virtue is at the center of what you do. Mm-hmm. They might be like, oh, well, what a pious person. And, uh, and, and so I think it also helps to understand that we may not have all of the answers as well. Can you maybe speak a little bit about some of the virtues that you're still working on and, and some of the ways that you've been growing in, in leadership? Excellent question. So one of the things I mentioned before was really having that balance, right, between work, play, ministry, and otherwise. And so especially in executive coaching, I think this conversation happens and occurs, and it's easier to have that coaching conversation with someone else than it is with yourself. And so that's one of the things that that I've recently um, written down as my start, stop, and continues. One of my starts is to create specific boundaries um, for work specifically. For instance, even just thinking about virtual opportunities. So as it's become a more remote world, recognizing that having my office in the outset or or, um, in the other part within our bedroom doesn't make it necessarily um, easy (laughs) to cut off at the end of the day. Because as I'm glancing over, I see my laptop and think, well, you know, there's probably just a couple more emails I could finish or a couple more projects I could could complete. And so being able to really separate and segregate is an opportunity that I'm working on um, so that when I am able to um, meet with leadership and have those conversations that I'm presenting my best self, my best self forward to them as far as what I have to offer versus maybe working long hours and into the wee hours of the night and then not getting rest and just having a lot on your mind um, is one of those things. And another thing that I'm doing is understanding that I have goals to, to maybe read my devotion in the morning and make sure that I, I work out and I'm healthy and I exercise and to spend time with the family and um, which are all very important to me but I'm also human and realize that there, there are only so many hours in a day. We can't create more time, but what we can do is prioritize our time. And so that's another thing that I'm working on and giving myself self grace to understand that these are my top three priorities, but I may not be able to get to all three of them today. And so instead of beating myself up over that, realizing here are my priorities. And instead of all in one day, here's what I want to be able to accomplish over the course of a week, which makes it much more practical. Yeah. I love what you mentioned about boundaries because that's something that Tana and I are also struggling with right now. I think everyone's struggling with this, right? Especially being stuck in this weird remote Zoom meeting uh, from (laughs) the world that we live in presently. And, uh, being able to recognize when you need to cut it off and to have those different boundaries to recharge your batteries. So thank you for sharing that for sure. So uh, saw that uh, you also run for the fallen and participate in red, white, and blue. So how many miles have you run and what impact has this had on your life and, and why do you do it? Oh, wow. Miles ran. Ooh. <laughs> that's a that's a difficult one. I think it'd be easier to say um, multiple miles ran. However, in 2015, I did have an injury um, before we moved down to Georgia. And so my ability to run has become less. 
um, as far as distance. However, I transitioned from how far can I run to who can I run for? Mm. And there really was the implementation or the connection to Georgia Run for the Fallen. And so that specific program is connected to Honor and Remember, which is a not-for-profit group that specifically looks at helping to support our Gold Star family members for service members who um, either have been killed in action and or those that have been taken um, due to PTSD or just, you know, ending their battle with certain suicides. And so Georgia Run for the Fallen specifically honors our Georgia Fallen Heroes from a specific time period. And it's typically held in October, the very first weekend. And they start out in Milledgeville at the Veterans Memorial there, Veterans Cemetery. And then we travel over 167 miles um, over the course of three days. And it usually ends in Columbus, Georgia, where we have the opportunity to do a closing ceremony. And so along the course of the route, we have groups of runners, including myself, um, who carry the specific flags, whether it be the honor and remember flag, the United States flag, and then also the state flag and an honor and sacrifice flag to honor our first responders who are also fallen. And so at the end of every mile, we do a short ceremony in which we read aloud the names of our fallen heroes. And that's truly what it's about. It's remembering those specific individuals, service members and otherwise who have given the ultimate sacrifice. And one of the things that you'll hear from Gold Star family members repeatedly is that they just want their son or their daughter or their husband, their loved one to be remembered because then they know that it wasn't for, you know, just, just nothing mm. and that their life meant something. And so it's been a completely humbling experience, to be honest, Chris, as far as uh, I don't think I was prepared. I think I was prepared for the, the memorial service really that, that happens along the course of this route and the impact that we're making on families, but even more so, I feel like being selfish because they've made an impact on me and just the, the humble um, and gratitude that humble spirits that they present and the gratitude that they, that they give to us, like we're runners, like <laughs> we're just running a few miles. Um, but that means the world to them because they know that their loved one is not forgotten. So, so very fortunate to be a part of that group. And if, if you're watching this and you're a runner and you plan to be in Georgia, the first part of October, hit me up, let me know. And we'd love to have you join us. And then the secondary to that would be team red, white, and blue that you mentioned. So recently assumed the um, position of chapter captain used to be the deputy chapter captain last year um, and worked alongside with Chris Hawkins, who recently vacated that role. She was wonderful. And so- um, It was an honor to meet you, chapter captain. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I said, you know, she has just such big shoes to fill. She's done a great job with that organization here in Warner Robins. And so Team Red, White, and Blue is a national organization. The intention- and, and purpose is to enrich veteran lives. And you do not have to be a veteran to be a part of the organization, such as myself, and um, just have a passion and a calling for supporting those who, um, who are active duty and or veterans um, in our military services. And so really the point of the, the program or the group is to enrich veteran lives through social and physical activities. So a lot of times people ask about the group and say, oh, you're just another running group. And it's like, no, we do run and that's an activity, but there's certainly several other activities recognizing that 
especially with veterans who have um, left in the military setting, they might have disabilities and or limitations to what they can do actively. So we have social um, activities as well as, you know, in regards to maybe we go for a movie or a movie night or um, we might go bowling or we might go on kayaking. And so there's a whole lot of different things that, that are incorporated with that. But focusing on veterans and really what they're missing from being in the, the military service is that group camaraderie. And so again, a complete, completely humbling opportunity um, to be uh, active and socially connected to veterans and, and alongside of them and, and have that camaraderie and that experience on a daily basis in our community. And why do you do the work, Amber? Why do you care? Hmm. I've been asked that question multiple times and the best response I can say is that I really feel like it was laid on my heart to that I have a passion and a calling to support the, that specific group. And um, having several family members who were, have served um, within the Army, Navy and otherwise, my gr grandfather was in the World War II, Navy veteran and my father served in Vietnam and the Army and my brother's retired um, fifth group and special forces. Ooh. And so, yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I always tease and say, it's a wonder I survived my childhood, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, but recognizing the sacrifices that they personally have made and as well as their families, um, direct families, immediate families, and understanding that it's for a reason and just wanting to show my appreciation and, and continual support of the sacrifices that they've made and, and realizing that a lot of times what you see on the outside um, as far as veterans and, and connecting back to the community that there's some there are tends to be some underlying opportunities for us as community members to help them know that you know I, I don't know what it's like to experience a deployment and I don't know what it's like to be on the battlefield but what I can say is that I can be your battle buddy in the day-to-day -day life struggles that we all encounter. Well, <clears throat> well, thank you for the work that you're doing. I have a nephew, David Thomas Gomez, who is currently in the Marine Corps. Wow. Oh, Marines. <laughs> yes. so, awesome. So thank you for the work that you do for uh, our veterans. It's so important. And uh, no, I absolutely love your story as well. How can people get a hold of the work that you're doing, um, both in for the day job and then for the ministry work, et cetera? <laughs> yeah, so if you're interested in learning more about the Human Resource Strategic Business Partnership or anything with Atrium, you can go to atriumhealth.org. If you are interested in the Honor and Remember and Georgia Run for the Fallen, it's simply honorandremember.org. And then for Friendship Baptist, if you're happy to look for a church in the Warner Robins, Georgia area, it's simply friendshipbaptist.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. I look forward to continuing to build our relationship and keeping the dialogue moving forward. And absolutely love spending time with you as always, but uh, really enjoyed today as well. So thank you for that, Amber. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. All right, for sure. Have a blessed day. You too. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. 
If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.